0: Welcome to the Grand Point Church Podcast. I'm your host, Crystal Stein, and we're continuing our Risky Business series where we're looking at the life of Moses to learn how our relationship with God should give us the courage to take risks. The book of Exodus gets its name from the action of the Israelites exiting the land of Egypt under the leadership of Moses. The entire story of Exodus is the picture of a rescue, a rescue from the bondage of a king who oppressed and confused his people with the worship of many idols. Let's listen to today's message from Pastor Doug Coldsmith.
1: Hey, but yeah, welcome
0: Doug Coldsmith. Hey, Goodness. what's up? What am I thinking?
1: My. <laughs> welcome, Andrea. She's here this morning. Wow. <laughs> Love you guys. Thank you so much for having me here today. My name's Doug Uh, been here before maybe uh, this is your first time experiencing me I'm sorry Um, (laughs) please come back no Uh, I I primarily work out of the Chambersburg campus I'm the discipleship director there and I help out with circles ministry and connections team there uh, celebrate recovery and some other things so I'm excited to be here today exhausted but excited um, because uh, I think God has something for all of us here today, including myself, including myself. That worship time, I don't know about you, but I needed that. I needed that. Um, and if, if you were there Friday night as well for the worship night, you know, uh, man, I needed that too. And sometimes we don't even realize how much we need to worship because worship really just sets our whole refocus and gives us a perspective that we need in our lives. No matter what we're going through, when we can be free to worship God. It's an incredible thing. So I needed that this morning. Maybe you did too. Um, to start off with today, I just want to share from some stories with you. I mean, this one was pretty traumatic as a father, but um, how many of you know babies are gross? Okay. They can be. Absolutely, I, I know that for sure. I mean, there's probably a reason why we can't remember our life in the womb and, <laughs> and being born. Like, that is, that is gross. And all the dads in the house are saying, Amen. Like, uh uh-uh, uh, we're not, we're not going there. Uh, and then as a baby, there's this random spit up, I'm sorry for getting graphic with you this morning, but there's vomit. There's poop I mean how How do you get poop all the way up your back I, I think we've all experienced that Like it's a mystery It's crazy Well um, our first son Caleb He's 19 he gave me permission to share this Bless his soul <laughs> He broke me in right y'all uh, a couple of days into arriving home with our first child from the hospital, mm. thinking about it, just ooh. I decided I was going to be a good husband and a good dad and go change the poopy diaper. All right, so I take him up to up to the second story, the second level, the nursery, second floor there. Put him on the changing table. Uh, I unstrap the the diaper. I have the little PPTP ready to go. I was prepared and uh, unstrap that thing, throw the TP thing on, bring up his legs, and I, I guess it was the pressure. I don't know, but all the next thing I know is there's yellow poop everywhere. I'm not kidding. All over me, and it's yellow because they're newborn, right? And it's all over the wall. It's all over the changing table. This is traumatic. So I go downstairs and tell Caressa, Cressa, Cressa, the, the, the grossest thing that's ever happened to me has happened right now. And you know what she said to me? Uh, where's the baby? <laughs> I left him upstairs on the changing table because I was just... Oh. I'm convinced, guys, that as a first-time parent, there is no way you can be ready for that, <laughs> let alone anything that you're going to encounter as a parent. You can read the books. People can give you the advice, but until you experience yellow poop everywhere, you're not ready. You're not ready. Any anybody parents out there, you know what I'm talking about. You're not ready. You're not ready. Well, just like we're never ready to be a first-time parent today, we are going to find the faith to take the risks that God is calling us to take, even if we don't feel ready at all. I mean, think about it. All this stuff that God has to give to us, it's way bigger than me, and I'm not ready for it, but that's okay. God's calling us to take that risk. We've been studying from the life of Moses in this series called Risky Business. Business. Yes! I love this series. This whole thing has really come together from the life of Moses. There is so much risk in in the story of Moses. I don't know if you realize this or not, but Moses' mom putting Moses in the Nile River, a little basket boat that they made. That's risky. That's risky, y'all. There's crocs in there. (laughs) Okay? Pharaoh's daughter taking in Moses, this baby she never even knew before. Where is he coming from? I don't even know. What kind of poop is he going to have? I don't know. (laughs) It's risky, y'all. It is risky. How about um, Moses as he grows up? We talked a little bit about this last week. Taking things into his own hands and killing an Egyptian. That's risky. That is risky business right there. Or think of it this way, from God's perspective, even. God chose a flawed and hot-tempered guy like Moses to lead his people. That's risky on God's part. Are you with me? That is risky business going on. Will Moses be able to deliver, or is he going to cave and try to take things into his own hands like he did when he messed things up by killing that Egyptian? Will Moses be able to take this incredible, monumental risk of going back to Egypt, the place he was running from, to be able to deliver God's people. How does God get a guy like Moses anyway in a position where to to, to take this monumental task of liberating a nation of slaves? How does God do that? That's an incredible process. D.L. Moody gives us a clue. Here's how it happened. He says this, Moses spent 40 years 40 years thinking that he was a somebody. 40 years learning that he was a nobody. And 40 years discovering what God can do with a nobody. That's a a quick summary of Moses' life. There are 40-year segments. It's a humbling process. Moses had to learn humility and God-dependence. Not self-dependence. Those first 40 years, he was in an Egyptian palace. He was a prince of Egypt. He was most likely uh, a rising leader in the army, uh, maybe a general or a lieutenant or whoever. He was a somebody, y'all. Everybody say, somebody. He was a somebody, okay? He was strong. He was powerful. He was commanding. He was a make-it-happen kind of guy. The kind of guy you want to be around. Like like this was the guy. He was a somebody. The second 40 years, we looked at this a little bit last week. He was a runaway in Midian. He was a shepherd caring for sheep. How do you go from prince of Egypt to shepherd? Incredibly humbling. He marries a priest's daughter. Uh, He became a nobody. And I believe he had to learn how to be okay with that. That's that's something that we don't aspire to. Shepherd, yay, let's go do that. No, he had to learn to be okay with that. Uh, It was an incredibly humbling process, and God uh, had to teach him, Moses. I'm gonna I'm gonna do my thing through you, instead of you asking me to bless your thing. You see, there's a big difference there. God has to do His thing, His plans, His agenda. And we have to open ourselves to that and be okay with it. Those last 40 years that uh, D.L. Moody talked about, he was actually leading God's people out of Egypt toward the promised land. And I don't know if you think about this, but he has grown up in Egypt all of his life. Same thing with these, this generation of Israelites at that time. All they ever knew was a life in Egypt as a slave. They heard about promised land, but they've never been there they don't know what it looks like. They don't know what they're going to encounter. And so Moses, the last 40 years, is leading these people to a land they've never been to. Incredible. Well, like I mentioned, last week we talked about the first 40 years and the second 40 years. And today's message is going to center on that time transition between those second 40 years and the rest of his life. That, that year or so of how we make that transition. Here's the uh, bird's eye view. We're talking through Moses' encounter with God at the burning bush. We're going to talk about his return to Egypt and the ten plagues of Egypt. And finally, the Passover, that tenth plague. Okay, Get comfortable, y'all, because we got a lot of scripture to cover. All right? We're not going to be reading all of that for you. Don't write, Hopefully, you don't have lunch planned. Anyway, uh, <laughs> there's way too many details in this story that's unfolding, so I'm going to try to summarize a lot of it for you and kind of speak to you in the areas where God is speaking to me. Okay, I, I don't know about how other preachers do it, but I have to run it through the filter of me. God's got to speak to me before I can speak to you. And I, I believe he's been teaching me some incredible lessons through this story. So here it is. Exodus chapter 3, if you want to follow along uh, for this first story about the burning bush... Moses is a shepherd. He takes his flock to the base of this mountain called Mount Horeb. Later in the story, in those 40, last 40 years, Moses leads him, his people back to this mountain. It's later called Mount Sinai. And it's at this mountain where Moses will receive the Ten Commandments. But before all of that, he meets God on this mountain called Horeb. Okay? It's called the Mountain of God. And Moses, as he's leading his his flock of sheep there, sees this sight. Uh, It's a burning bush that's not being burned. There's flames all around it, but it's not being consumed. That'd be a weird sight, right? (laughs) All of us would have been, hey, what's what's going on there? Well, uh, verse 4, chapter 3 says this. When the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, God called to him from the middle of the bush. We don't know this from Scripture. Were there more burning bushes that didn't catch Moses' attention? We don't know. I'm not speculating here, but think about this. This time, there was a burning bush, and it caught his attention. He actually noticed it, and he went over to see it, as we would have done. It caught his attention. I just want to push pause here, and I want to challenge you to think about this. What might God have to do to get your attention? Right? What might He have to do? Burning bush? Maybe. Probably not in our day. But God might use something else to catch your attention. Maybe you've been working real... Health condition develops. Or something happens in your family. God may not orchestrate all of that, but He allows those things to happen. Why? Maybe sometimes to get our attention. Maybe sometimes to get us to slow down. Right? Are you with me? He might use all kinds of things to get your attention. What's he using in your life to get your attention? And let me ask you this. When was the last time that you had a genuine encounter with God? Like you, you felt his presence. You knew he was there. You knew he was speaking to you. How did you respond? Um, A couple weeks ago, during the worship experience at Chambersburg campus, I think it was the week that actually Kevin was up there preaching, uh, I began to recognize the weight of everything that was kind of going on in my world. I mean, I'm managing pretty well. uh, I like to call it, you have a lot on your plate, Doug. No, I have several plates going on right now. It's just the way it is. But I felt the weight of that, okay? Call it anxiety, call it whatever. I felt it. And here we are, and we're in a worship experience. I'm in the front row, and here it is. It literally felt like a, a weighted vest kind of being put on. You guys, some of you know what I'm talking about, especially anxiety issues and all of that. I, I just felt it, Okay? I think God used this feeling to get my attention. Are you listening, Doug? you got a lot of stuff going on. You need to feel this. And I did. I I, I sensed that God was kind of nudging me. Hey, uh, during the worship set, you need to go forward. What do I do? How do I respond? I resisted. (laughs) I was like, "Ah, I'm good. I got this. Well... Worship set over. Kevin was preaching the whole time. It was building. It was becoming heavier. I didn't want that. So the closing song came on and I caved and I went forward, tears streaming. Just let it all go. Okay? God met me there in the row, like when I was standing. But he also met me when I took that step forward in a way that I can't describe it for you. there's nothing special about going forward but there was something about God telling me to do it and me taking that step well I'm here to tell you that was two weeks ago God didn't take away all my stress (laughs) come on God, what's the deal but he showed me that he was with me and he showed me that he was going to carry this for me I got to tell you and I'll share a little bit later it got more intense. I don't know how to explain it to you. I thought I could I only could handle so much two weeks ago, and God added more. Maybe it was in that moment where God needed to remind me that He's with me no matter what comes. Okay, think about that. It, it, it's a it's a risky thing, isn't it? When God calls you to step out and do something that you might, you may or may not be comfortable with. That as you step out, He teaches us stuff that He can't teach us otherwise. i got to tell you, this is why we do worship experiences. This is, this is the reason. Friday night and, and Sunday mornings, we long to create environments where every person can encounter God. It's not about a concert. It's not about a performance. We genuinely want you to hear from God and experience Him, what He wants to say to you. I've, uh, but hopefully that is not the only place where you experience God. Okay? When you come to worship experiences, that's hopefully not the only place where it happens. I experience God when I'm driving in a car. <laughs> and, and there's times where I'm crying and it's like, i got to pull over. <laughs> like This is not safe. There's times where I experience God at the beach. Amen? I'm on the beach. I wish I could get right now. Anyway. Uh, in the mountains... In my office. Man, there are times where I'm just in my office doing my thing, and boom, I got to close the door because it's me and God in that moment. It's incredible. There are times where I experience God in, in the middle of the night when I can't sleep. Had a couple of those lately. But that's the cool thing. We want you to experience God here, of course, but we hope that that's not the only place. You can experience Him everywhere. Well, coming back to the story of Moses. God speaks to Moses at this burning bush. He speaks to him there. He gives him the instructions to go back to Egypt. Tell Pharaoh to let my people go. And I want you to think about this context. God asks a runaway, fugitive, second-career shepherd (laughs) and a hot-tempered, take-matters-into-his-own-hands kind of guy to confront the only major world power leader of that time. The the Pharaoh of Egypt. And to his own people, the Egyptian people, he was considered a god. That's what's going on here. Shepherd confronting a god. How does that happen? (laughs) How How does God use this guy to get all of his people free? These same people that built this Pharaoh's empire with their own hands. And God is saying, go and confront this guy and get him to let my people go. And then he reminds Moses, by the way, it's not going to happen. His heart is going to become so hardened. uh, My people are not going to be let go. Um, How do you think Moses responded to this? (laughs) The same way we would. The same way I did. Several times in my life, I try to find any excuse I can to get out of it. Here's some of the excuses Moses said. Verse 11 of chapter 3. Who am I, God, to lead these people? Anybody have any self doubt? Yeah. You feel inadequate? Who am I, God? I can't do this. Verse 13. Who are you, God? What am I supposed to tell the people who you are? What's your name? How are they going to verify that I actually heard from, from God here? That's a legitimate excuse. What about this one in chapter 4? What if they don't believe me? Whew. Ever been there? I'm not sure, but uh, hey, I got to tell you this, but I'm not sure if you're going to believe me or not. It's that incredible. It's that ridiculous, maybe even sounding. What are you going to- How are you going to believe me, God? How are they going to believe me? Verse 10 of chapter 4. But God, I don't speak very good. Come on, I tried to use my redneck accent there. No offense, anybody. I'm just saying. Shimmonsburg, that's my roots. Anyway. I don't speak too good. Anytime God's asking you to speak, doesn't matter how well you speak. He's going to give you those words. He will. I, my life is demonstrating that. And then, finally, verse 13 I love this one because it kind of wraps it all up. Moses given excuse after excuse after excuse. And then he says, God, can you just send someone else? Wow. There's the real issue, isn't it? He didn't want to. Can you just pick somebody else? I don't want to do this. Well, God answered every single one of Moses' excuses. Moses actually could have still refused, but he didn't. If he would have refused, he would have walked right away from his destiny as a deliverer, as a liberator. I want you to think about this, guys. Moses' relationship with God would never progress beyond his ability to take that risk. would have been stuck at that same place in his relationship with God until he took the risk and did what God was calling to do it. Now think about this We don't know this, scripture doesn't say this at all But how many other people did God ask To be the deliverer We don't know We might be speculating here And maybe Moses was the only one I don't know, but there's 400 years That passed Maybe it was Maybe Maybe Moses was the only one But maybe he wasn't Moses is the only one that responded yes However It's huge it's hairy. The, the stakes were high for Moses, higher than they could ever imagine. But I could actually say the very same thing about us. We might have a relationship with God, but listen to me, guys. Our relationship with God will never progress beyond our ability to take risk. Did you hear that? God wants us to, to, to be risk diggers with our faith. In fact, Jesus teaches us the same thing. The parable of the talents. Some of you might have heard this. Three guys, God gives talents or gifts or money. Two of them invest it, and they get a double on their return. Woohoo! And then uh, the third guy, what does he do? He, he, he plays it safe, buries it in the ground, and nothing happens to it. What does Jesus say to him? You wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. You did nothing with what I gave to you. God wants us to take risk with what he's given us, to be bold. Jesus also teaches us about the the pearl of great price. Have you heard of this story? Uh, A guy, he's out purchasing field, he's been searching for this pearl. And he finds it. So what does he do? Scripture says he he sells it all in order to buy this one pearl. Must have been a nice pearl, right, ladies? (laughs) That's the kind of faith that God's looking for. Bet the farm. I'm giving it all because i got nothing left compared to what God wants to give me. Take a risk. Let's get back to Moses. After God addressed each of his excuses, Moses bets the farm. (laughs) He throws himself fully into the mission that God gave to him. Uh, God also warned him that that Pharaoh was not going to be a pushover. In fact, he wasn't going to let the people go. Pharaoh's heart was going to become more and more hardened. So initially, the story doesn't get any better. In fact, it gets worse for the people of Israel. Pharaoh punishes them. He makes it more difficult for them to do their job of building bricks. He takes away the straw and things get really worse for the leaders who are supposed to keep up the same quota of bricks that they were making and they get punished for it when they don't meet up with the new standard. If you or I were Moses, put yourself in that mindset, what would you be thinking? God... Thought you were sending me back here to get your people out of here, not to make things worse for them. How's this going to work out, God? Now, what am I supposed to do? Have you been there? Things didn't work out the way that you thought they would. God told you to do something, you stepped into it, and it didn't quite work out the way that you thought it would. Well, to summarize the story and keep fast forward, God tells Moses he's going to give him signs. And wonders and the ten plagues to break Pharaoh's hardened heart. There's a lot of stuff going on here. Way too much to to, to say in our time here. But uh, Pharaoh's heart becomes more hardened. Uh, the plagues were. There's so much teaching going on there. Each one of those plagues was a direct opposition to one of the gods that they worshipped. It's incredible that God was breaking down their religious system that they built and in fact the very infrastructure of their their culture everything was being broken down and it all culminated in the death of the firstborn this is this is huge that last plague this is incredible the israelites would be spared if they took the blood of a spotless lamb painted the doorframe of the home with it and then they celebrated this feast of unleavened bread ate the roasted lamb They followed God's instructions to the T. Because he was pretty specific with it. And then it happened. Exodus chapter 12. I want to review this with you real quick. At midnight, the Lord struck down all of the firstborn in Egypt. From the firstborn of Pharaoh who sat on the throne to the firstborn of the prisoner who was in the dungeon. And the firstborn of all the livestock as well. Can you imagine that? Pharaoh and all of his officials and all the Egyptians got up during the night and there was a loud wailing in Egypt listen to this for there was not a house without someone dead you can imagine being there this is a scene from a horror movie let's be real yes God was delivering his people but think about everything they had to experience Think about this. If you were a young Jewish boy, maybe the firstborn, (laughs) what are you thinking that night? You heard the story of what God was going to do. You saw Dad paint the the doorpost with the lamb's blood. You go to bed that night. Are you sleeping? Nope. And then the wailing happens. You're thinking, "Uh, Dad, I hope you painted that blood (laughs) pretty thick enough so that so that this angel can see it. This is a terrorizing night, a terrifying night for for people. This is crazy, scary. Yes, the Lord promised to deliver you. Yes, He was going to be faithful. But this is a whole different level, isn't it? This is insane. This, I feel like this is uh, this is huge for Moses. Think about being in his position at this point. Was it Moses versus Pharaoh? No. If Moses was equipped with Donald Trump negotiating power, could he have changed Pharaoh's heart? No. <laughs> Not happening. This lesson is for him. Remember, it's about showing Moses what God can do with a nobody if he is fully surrendered to him. God, I got nothing here. No more tricks up my sleeve. No more clues about how how I'm going to get through this. God, if you don't come through, we're toast. That's what's happening. And he's right. I don't know how to boil it down any other way than to say this. God begins to work his wonders when we come to the end of us. God begins to work his wonders when we've come to the end of us. Let me share with you real quickly about my week. Uh, Started about a month ago, actually. Uh, I turned down a chance to speak here uh, because I had a wedding that weekend and my family was headed in all different directions. I felt like I was saying, yeah, you need to take some balance and and say no to this opportunity, and that's fine. At the same time, we were working through selling our house and buying a new home, and a week or so after I had agreed to speak here today, There was only one weekend that emerged where we could settle on our house and move in. Guess what? This week, okay? No problem. God, you'll get me through. It's all good. I'm not going to back down. Kevin needs me. Just kidding. And then last weekend happened. I got a text from my mom that my grandmother fell. She's 88 years old She had a A brain bleed And because of her low platelet count And water pills and other medications She was not able to heal She was going to bleed to death Yeah Last Sunday So I'm on my way Down to Holy Spirit Hospital last Sunday morning Because they were calling the family in It wasn't going to be long Long story short uh, my grandmother passed away late Sunday night. Her funeral was this Thursday, and she wanted me to speak at it. Okay? Visitation on Wednesday evening, funeral on Thursday, finished packing our house Thursday night, settlement and begin moving in on Friday, worship night on Friday night. Thank you, Jesus. Needed that. Move in on Saturday. Preach this morning. I got nothing left, (laughs) y'all. I didn't feel ready at all for this today. But I'm eager to see what God wants to do in you because of this message. God will begin to work His wonders when we come to the end of ourselves. The end of ourselves. There's no way I could have gotten through this week without God. No way. I had to break it down day by day. And in fact, there were times moment by moment. God, what am I doing here? Right here in this moment. Trust him. Depend on him to get you through. And he did. He was faithful. So far, at least, the weekend's still not quite over yet. (laughs) But that's what he wants for us all the time. To live in that state of dependence. God, if if you don't break through here, I'm toast. I need you. God knows it's risky, but trusting Him has a sure outcome, even when we're not ready for it, and even if things don't work out the way we want it to. It's a sure outcome. Let me ask you a couple questions to summarize here as we close. How's God speaking to you lately about taking risk for Him and for his cause. What risk is God putting in front of you right now? Maybe it's to pray with someone. Katrina prayed something, encouraged me, and and felt something. That was awesome. I needed that. Thank you. Maybe God's challenging you to say something. Pray. Do something. Get out of your comfort zone. Maybe it's to take a step to grow, to get involved with some other people and share life together. Maybe in a circle... Maybe just to invite some people over to the house. I don't know. Maybe God's challenging you to share your story or share the gospel with someone. It's risky. But God's nudging you to do that. Maybe for some of you, it's to trust Him for the first time. You've never done it before. And maybe God's nudging you to take a step out. It's a risky business to start a relationship with God today. Another question for you. What in your life... Or in your world right now? Might he want you to challenge or confront? Like Moses. Yes, he had to challenge and confront Pharaoh. But there was some stuff on the inside he had to challenge and confront too. His pride. His self-reliance. What's God challenging you to deal with on the inside? You need to confront this. Might be putting something on your heart right now. It might even be your heart like Pharaoh in this story hardened heart and God wants to deal with that think about it, maybe it's stuff inside, maybe it's actually stuff outside of you, in your workplace, in your family in your neighborhood that God's wanting you to take a stand on will you do it? will you take that risk? think about this from the story of Moses, what idols in your life might God be wanting to demolish in order to set you free What? We don't worship idols, really. Take a look at what you're spending your time on, your money on, and your anything else. Where are you invested right now? Might it be an idol? I don't know. Let God speak to you. It's about obedience. When God calls, we take the risk. That's what we want to be about as a church. May we be known for our boldness and our willingness to obey God no matter what. Okay? I'm going to pray for us. Father God, thank you so much for all that you're teaching us through this series, Risky Business, through the life of Moses. God, I'm praying for my friends here that you would call us out from comfortable living. Call us out from the stuff that is holding us captive Help us to experience the freedom and liberation that you want to bring to every single one of us in this room and beyond. Help us to see with your eyes the areas where we can make a difference in our world, but also to change what's going on on the inside of us. You want us to live as free people, to live boldly and to take risk for your cause and for your mission. God may this church Grand Point Church be known for the ways that we take a bold faith a bet the farm kind of faith a a faith that moves mountains like your word tells us not so that we get the glory but so that you do you're our God and we thank you for working in our lives for showing us what we need to do giving us the courage to take that step in jesus name
0: we pray amen what do you love so much that it's hard for you to love god more this week take some time to read and meditate on john 4 1 to 26 claim verses 13 to 14 as the truth and goal for your life today thanks so much for joining us on the grand point church podcast our heart is to help as many as possible on their journey to find and follow jesus and we hope that you feel at home with us here Until next time, connect with us on Instagram or Facebook at Grand Point Church, leave a review, share this podcast with a friend, or reach out to us. We'd love to hear from you and know how we can pray for you and encourage you.